Open up your Bible to uh, the Gospel of Matthew this morning. Right at the very beginning. We're going to be at Matthew chapter 1, and we'll start in verse 18. I can remember, uh, it was, it was a, a while ago now, but when uh, we first found out that we were going to be parents, no, it's just nothing more like exciting and, and joyful and uh, awesome. We were, uh, we were hosting a Super Bowl party at our place in Portland. We were in seminary at the time, and uh, one of the wives shared with the rest of us that that she was going to have a baby and as she described like the symptoms and things that she was feeling and what she'd been going through uh Camille started thinking like well I've been feeling like that for a while like huh that's where and so later that day she took a test and passed it with flying colors uh and, and we, we soon discovered that she was like about four months along at that point. So she's halfway through it. Uh, we, so we had a little less time to figure stuff out, but which made it even more intimidating, I guess, uh, scary, exciting, uh, but, but so joyful. So uh, such a, such a cool thing, cool uh, experience. Uh, the first thing that I did when I found out was was I went out and bought all the books and just thought that's that's how you figure stuff out, right? I just read every book that I can find on it. Uh, it it's always an emotional thing. Uh, for both Mary and Joseph here, the circumstances surrounding the coming of Jesus are are even more emotional, right? Because they're unusual. They're unique. Uh, what I want to do uh, this week and, and next week also is look at the advent of Jesus as it was explained to Joseph here in Matthew this week, and then uh, look at how it was explained to Mary in the Gospel of Luke next week. Because as each one learns of the coming arrival of this unique child, we learn something about Jesus and, and who He is and, and why He came. And so as we read these accounts of the first Christmas, we see just how important Advent really is. Look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When His mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus for He will save His people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son. They shall call His name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now there, there are all of these different ideas and theories out there about exactly who Joseph and Mary uh, really were. 
Uh, some think that Joseph was like this old guy, like in his 40s, and, and Mary was probably younger, like maybe in her teens or early 20s. Some think that they were both young. But really, the Bible doesn't tell us that much about them. We know a little bit about Mary's family, and we know about Joseph's genealogy because that's what we find right there at the first part of Matthew chapter 1. But other than that, that there's not a lot of info. We do know from reading this that Joseph was a guy who found himself in the midst of a significant dilemma, right? This discovery would have been problematic. He's engaged to marry. And in this culture, the betrothal period was, was a little bit more serious, a little bit more binding than it is in, in our culture. It was, it was more formal. Today, it doesn't really take that much to break off an engagement, right? You just have to like take off your ring and throw it at the guy. That's about it, and it's over. Uh, but here, you, you would have had to have gone through like divorce proceedings to break off a betrothal. And, and a, a betrothal would have lasted a, a number of months, up to a year, and it would have been used as a time to, to prepare uh, for the wedding and to prepare for joining of the, the two people together into one family. During that time, the couple isn't officially married, so any, any sexual activity with each other would have been uh, off limits, would have been considered fornication. And, and any sexual activity with someone else would have been considered adultery. This couple was expected to abstain until the proper time. And just as maybe like a little side note here, uh, this expectation of chastity uh, wasn't just like a, a social thing back in those days. This was something that God uh, expected, and he, and he still does. God's intention for this part of the relationship has always been to be within the bounds of marriage. And there are some very uh, practical and, and logical reasons why we should uh, honor God in, in that. But maybe the best reason is because God says so. I don't, that always seems like a good reason to me. Uh, but that's really the, the, the heart of Joseph's dilemma here. Uh, Joseph discovers that his fiance is pregnant, and that's a huge problem. It doesn't really say how he found out. I mean, either it just became obvious, ah, Mary, you seem to be putting on a little extra weight, uh, or he found out when Mary told him. But however he found out, it, it put him in this difficult spot. No doubt when he heard the news, he was crushed. It's, it's clear from this passage that Joseph really, truly loved Mary. He cared for her deeply. But he must have felt as though he'd been betrayed, humiliated and shamed. But even, even with those feelings, he doesn't want to hurt her. He doesn't want to humiliate her. There's no hint of anger or animosity here. And Joseph knows that he is not the father of this baby. And even though uh, I'm sure Mary tried to explain to him that like, this, it's a miracle, an angel came and, and told me that this is from God, I don't know. I don't know if Joseph would have fully believed her. I, I don't know. Just think about it. Would you have been able to 
fully believe it? The words of the angel to Joseph here suggest that maybe he thought that she'd been unfaithful. He had a couple options at this point. Joseph could have, could have done a couple of things. Uh, he could have called for a public divorce. Basically, drug Mary out into the spotlight and shamed her. She would have faced all kinds of humiliation. And uh, the, the ultimate form of punishment for adultery would have been stoning her to death. And even though that wasn't a particularly common punishment at the time, uh, this, it still would have been an ugly thing. The other option Joseph had was a private divorce. This, this was a separation that was a lot quieter. Probably a lot of people wouldn't even notice. Marriage would just never take place. The two would go their own ways. Some kind of arrangement would probably be made with the parents to send Mary away somewhere. But Joseph had to do something Matthew here says that Joseph was a righteous man. But, but he's still a man, right? He's still, he's still a guy. And he, and he must have, again, felt hurt and frustrated and confused. On the one hand, knowing that Mary is a good person, an honest person, but, but the pregnancy was real. He loved her, but he felt betrayed. He wanted to do the right thing, but he was trapped in one of those situations where he just didn't know what the right thing even was. Have you ever, have you ever been there? Have you ever been in this kind of a, well, maybe not exactly this kind of situation, but a similar one where you, where you're just flooded with different emotions and, and you're, you're getting conflicting advice and there's different options that you can take and you're not really sure. Oh, what do I do next? What's the, What's the right thing to do? What's the God-honoring thing to do? A lot of times the right thing to do is obvious. We just don't want to do it because it's hard. Often the struggle isn't knowing what we should do. It's, it's doing it. And in this situation, i, I got to think that Joseph asked himself, what's the most gracious and loving course of action? I mean, I know what the meanest and the most vengeful course of action is, but what would be the most gracious and loving here? I think that's probably not a bad way for us to live our lives too when we're stuck in difficult situations where we're not sure what to do and we feel like we've been wronged and humiliated and we want to retaliate and we want to lash out. But if we were to stop and ask ourselves, what's the most gracious thing to do here? What's the most loving thing to do here? I, I think we'll more often make the right kind of choice. J Joseph might have been justified in, in lashing out at Mary and dragging her out into a, a public divorce and <laughs> taking his anger out on her. But he doesn't do that, right? Verse 19, Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. Joseph chooses the best possible solution to this dilemma. At least the best possible one that he could think of. 
He decides that he's going to just divorce her quietly, choose the path that will be least shameful for her. He decides to do what he thinks is most honorable. But before Joseph can act on his plan, God sends an angel to speak to him in a dream. Uh, Verse 20 again, but when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who's been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Divine intervention was needed here to help Joseph fully understand and maybe fully believe what was taking place. Again, I think it's likely that Mary tried to explain it to Joseph, but again, either he didn't fully believe or just didn't know what to think. And God knows that, that Joseph is a good man. He just needs a little help. So God sends a messenger to confirm the good news and give Joseph some specific instructions on what he's supposed to do next. Don't be afraid. Don't freak out. Everything's okay. Don't be afraid to take her as your wife. She hasn't been unfaithful. She hasn't done anything wrong. This child that she's carrying is a miraculous gift from God. Now, in the past, God had done similar kinds of things, right? Opened up the wombs of barren women. Uh, uh, Helped help Abraham and Sarah have a child when they were 100 years old. But this is different. This is unique. This conception was unlike any other in the history of mankind. And the, and, and the fact of the virgin birth is of supreme importance to Christianity. It's, it's not a minor thing. Because of the virgin birth, Jesus is, is born without a sin nature, but with a fully human nature. Because of the virgin birth, God is able to step down and, and be a part of His creation. Because of the virgin birth, we have a perfect Savior. And that matters because of the reason why Jesus came. Uh, the news that the angel shares with Joseph is just completely amazing. And, and, and Joseph discovers through this messenger all that God had, well, a lot of what God has intended to do here. Verse 21, she'll bear a son. You're going to call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. So much in there, right? Through this, the angel explains to Joseph that the child is the fulfillment of prophecy, that this child is no ordinary man, and that this child is going to have a specific name that you're supposed to give him, Joseph. And he's got specific titles that are, that are tied in with, with who he is. Things that he's going to accomplish that are a part of the promises of God. Angel instructs Joseph to, to name him Jesus. For he'll save his people from their sins. Jesus is the Greek uh, form of, of the name Joshua. It means Yahweh saves. Or Yahweh is salvation. 
There have been other uh, Joshua's in history, right? In the Old Testament, people have been given that name. Maybe the uh, most well-known is Joshua, who was the, the servant of Moses who led uh, people into the promised land. He saved them from their wandering in the desert. There was a high priest uh, during the time of Ezra named Yeshua who brought salvation from the Lord and restored the temple and resumed regular worship to God. And Jesus came to bring salvation from the Lord. You know, the people were expecting a, a Messiah who would save them from oppression and hardship. But Jesus came to save them from something way more debilitating. Jesus came to, to save us from our sin. And sin, it pervades every aspect of our lives. It spoils our relationships with other people. Sin causes frustration between husbands and wives. Sin makes us angry and selfish and heartless and hopeless. But maybe worst of all, sin drives this wedge between us and God. And our selfish sin makes us think that we deserve to be in the driver's seat and we want to be in charge. And so we push God out of our lives, out of his, out of his rightful place on the throne. And sin causes us to rebel against God and to disobey, to go our own way. It's because of the sin, it makes us dirty and filthy and contaminated creatures who have really no place in the presence of a holy and perfect God. And because of our sin, we've earned exactly what God said we would earn, which is death. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. And the worst part is we can't help it. We are born into a sinful world with a sinful nature and we do sinful things. Every single one of us. The Bible also tells us that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Our greatest problem as human beings is sin. What this angel tells Joseph is that this child has come to save his people from their sins. He came to break the power of sin and death. He came to give us uh, a new hearts and a new set of desires. And, uh, this new, renewed love for God. He came to pay the wages of sin. He came to, to die in our place for us to make this sacrifice that would ultimately bring us peace. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So when we uh, accept that gift and place our faith in Jesus, allow Him to be our God and our King, we're given new life and our sins are forgiven and we are covered by the work of Jesus. And so when God looks at us, He no longer sees us as sinful Instead, He sees us as covered by this sinless Savior. And, and we are declared holy and righteous because of our identity with Jesus Christ. Our guilt is gone. Our sins are remembered no more. 
our entrance into the family of God is complete. That's, that's what Jesus came to do. That's why His name is going to be called Jesus. Yahweh saves. That's why the reality of the virgin birth is so important and the truth of the deity of Jesus is so central and the work of, the G- of Jesus on the cross is, is just everything to us. Because without those things, we would still be dead in our sins. Without Jesus, we would still be totally estranged from God. Without the hope of Christmas, we would still be hopelessly lost. There really is a God who created us. And that God knows our deepest needs and cares about His creation enough to save us from the disastrous effects of sin. That's why Christmas is so awesome. Why it's so holy. Why it's so joyous. So important. Now finally here in Matthew, we see the dependability of Joseph. Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. I don't know if, uh, if this visit from the angel would have made things easier for Joseph or harder, right? I mean, if you think about what the angel said, okay, your job now, Joseph, is to raise the Son of God. So good luck with that. <laughs> He went from fearing that his bride-to-be had cheated on him to learning that he was going to be stepfather to God's own son. I mean, that's an enormous responsibility and weight. And and I, I see here Joseph as a huge example of how God routinely asks us to do extremely difficult things. And God's blessing to us doesn't always come packaged in health or wealth or comfort. Sometimes God's greatest blessings to us are when God asks us to do the hardest things that we've ever had to do in our lives. That's why I think it's important for us not to be afraid, to teach our kids to not be afraid to do hard things, to to be open to stepping out of our comfort zone and doing those difficult things that God might call us to do. And Joseph shows here that he really is a man of honor. He takes Mary as his wife and does everything that the Lord asks him to do. In the Jewish tradition, it's the father's responsibility to name the child. And so on that holy night, as Mary gave birth to a baby surrounded by animals, with nothing but a manger to serve as a crib. Joseph declared that his name would be Jesus. Yahweh saves. And Joseph got to hold this child that would one day save his people from their sins. As a man and as a father, I greatly appreciate the example of Joseph. He was a man who who his life didn't turn out the way he thought it would. 
but he didn't he didn't freak out he didn't despair he didn't get angry he didn't quit he acted in a way that was honorable and humble and faithful men let me encourage you to act in a way that's honorable and humble and faithful God, thank You for this example of Joseph. Thank You for what we learn about Jesus and who He is and why He came. God, thank You for sending us a Savior who would rescue us from our sins. Thank You that because of Jesus, we are now uh, adopted into Your family. We are now Your children. We are now brought back into a right relationship with You and we are Yours forever. God, thank You for all of the the hope and the joy and the promise that we have in Jesus Christ. Again, God, give us opportunities to share this hope and this joy with others who need to hear it. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.